You received a call from an inmate at the Department of Corrections. This call will be recorded and monitored. If you wish to block any future calls of this nature, dial 7 now. To accept this call, press 5 now. To decline this call, hang up. Mr. Weiwei, I haven't heard from you in a while. How's everything going? Ooh, yeah, I'm always up for a new topic. Well, what do you have in mind? Ah, yes, that made big news not too long ago here, so um, I'm well aware. Well, yeah. Okay, that, yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to agree with you on that. You see, that's one of the things I promote. Supportive relationships make a huge difference to recovery. If we want to keep people out of prison, we need to get a better bond with uh, friends, family, neighbors, community leaders, you know, especially politicians. These folks can really make a difference if they go out and talk to the people that are directly affected by crime. And that's the victims and that's the people that are investigating and the judicial system. I don't know why the public, I guess mainly because they just haven't heard about it. Yes, I, I will definitely uh, look into that. And that's one of the things that I like to do. When I see somebody just dragged through the news like that, I want to get the other side of the story. I can read a newspaper article and I get the prosecutor and the witnesses and the victims. It's just, what about the person who is arrested and put in prison? What happened there? And there's been a few incidences where people were innocent. <clears throat> yeah. And there's a lot of innocent people in prison. And, you know, I, I like the trend that we have going where there's people that go on podcasts and they go out to uh, the community, write letters to their legislators and try to get the story heard so that these innocent people can get out. Of course, not everybody's innocent. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're definitely guilty. But, you know, when some a group like the Innocence Project. I, I just can't help but support that. They'll at least look into the other side. There's, it's just like with the the young lady that I interviewed, Marianne Atkins. There was evidence that was left out. It really could have helped her. And I guess maybe somebody says it wasn't important or didn't pertain. That's that's up to the jury. That's up to the judge. I've been in a few juries and there's things that people would consider not important that we thought was very important. And many times we'd have to say it was mentioned in the trial. Where is it? May we see that bit of evidence? And if a person's going to get a fair trial, everything needs to be put on the table. And I know in the history of uh, this area, a hundred years ago, there was some witnesses that testified in a murder trial. And the 
prosecutors, defense, there were some people, there was some doubt as to the honesty of these witnesses. There were some contradictions along the way. And so they wanted to try to clear that up. You have 60 seconds remaining. And I think the more we, we look into this, but we're just going to have to get public support. And that's really tough. Once you guys are thrown into that warehouse, you're forgotten. And that's not fair to anybody. And it certainly doesn't help reduce criminal activity out here. Okay, yeah, family is extremely important. And it could make or break a case. You have 30 seconds remaining. Well, that's a very good topic. Thanks for bringing that up. And I am going to run with that and see what I can do to help out some of these folks and get some justice going. Okay, yes, I will definitely say hi to her and let her know that uh, you're thinking about her. Okay, well, take care of yourself. And thanks for the call. It really helps. Well, hello, and welcome to AQS Inmate Call. And I am your host, Joel Wilborn. And this phone call is based on uh, a news article that occurred. I mean, the event started in the year 2020, November 2020. And uh, it's just something that uh, is sitting with me. And it does definitely make a good point about family connections and some of the things I promote a lot, which is supportive relationships and how they can help bring down crime, but they can also create crime. There's always a dark side to some of the stuff that we do. And that's one of the reasons why people oppose the type of work that I do. It's more or less like I'm working with folks that should not be helped because of their crime and because of their uh, potential to bring harm to others. Now, uh, I guess one of the headlines was uh, father allegedly killed daughter's boyfriend who sold her into sex slavery. Now, I have some insight on this particular story. So it, it kind of gives me a different perspective. Now, one thing I do greatly oppose is cancel culture. I don't think people should be immediately condemned just because there's accusations against them. That's not always true. You know, I could get up one morning to go to work, walk out, get into my car, drive down the road, get pulled over by police, and because I matched the description of a witness, could be thrown in jail. Now, like a hundred years ago, in 1922, if this this murder victim was a, a respected community leader or somebody that was just loved by the community, a group of people could have gone down to the jail, pulled me out, and hanged me. All because of hearsay. 
And I think people should at least be taking the trial. All the evidence presented in support and against. And then that's why we have the the jury of the peers. People who understand what's going on, understand the situation, understand the impact. And are willing to look at both sides. Prosecutors aren't always right. Sometimes they miss it. And this is a good, a good example of what goes on. Okay, now this father allegedly killed daughter's boyfriend who sold her into slavery. Now, uh, it said a father has been arrested for killing a man who had allegedly sex trafficked his 19-year-old daughter. Now, at the time this happened, this murder, she was underage, and she was dating the victim. And uh, they said that uh, it began in October of 2020. And this is what the the police department was saying. And uh, 60-year-old John Eiselman said that he found that his then-juvenile daughter had been sold into a Seattle-area sex trafficking ring by her boyfriend. And he believed, he told police that he believed Sorensen had sold his daughter for $1,000. And and Iceland was told that his daughter's boyfriend at the time, Sorensen, was responsible for the sale, according to the police department. And then uh, he went out to uh, Seattle and picked her up and brought her back home. Now, with teenage girls... It could go either way. I don't really hold children responsible for their actions. If I were to point the finger, I would be more inclined to point it at the community, the parents, relatives, anybody who could have guided these teenagers in the right direction. But a teenager is a teenager, and they have that spirit to go out and examine and try things. You know, they're not quite adults and are not quite children so things they may believe they'll go out and act on and like uh, Marianne Atkinson told me she got a tattoo on her face and I wonder don't get that tattoo because you'll regret it later on and she got it anyway And then later on, she says, I want to have this tattoo removed. And I said, I remember somebody warning you against that. And she says, yes, but I had to find out for myself. And that's a standard answer, you know. And like Judge Judy said, if if a teenager's lips are moving, then the teenager's most likely is lying. So when teenagers go on trial we automatically assume they're lying but what if this teenager is your daughter who says my boyfriend sold me into sex slavery and that's why I was caught up in all of this of course it's going to enrage him it would enrage anybody and when this story came out that's what the public heard and so of course they're supporting this man it's like wow you went after 
her boyfriend who sold her into slavery. And even though that's a crime, you know, you can't just take the law into your hands and go out there and do that. Even though he didn't have a chance for a trial, he goes out and kills him so the community backs it up. Now, I'm not going to do this cancel culture thing. I'm not going to throw any judgment on him. That's just the story. And I happen to know somebody who's a very strict parent. She doesn't want her children getting involved in any of this nonsense that's going on in the world. And she wants to try to protect them the best she can. They happen to know this young lady that was uh, telling her father that she was sold into slavery. And it's more like they went to Seattle. They, they came into some money, bought a car, went to Seattle, got stuck and her way of kind of getting out of the I did something wrong is just to lie I don't think in her mind and I don't know this for sure I don't think in her mind that she wanted her dad to kill this man she just was probably angry some events probably popped up a lot of things could have happened and for us to pass judgment she's a child and the dad should know that It's like, okay, you're saying this stuff. Let's back it up. You can't just immediately believe a person who's in a bad situation. If she could get into a world of trouble by telling the truth, you have to take that into consideration. Is she lying to cover up something or is she telling the truth? And the police department had no record of this. The Seattle police said, nobody said anything. We don't have a history of this person. And of course, when it comes out in the news, the family of the victim comes out and says, we would like our side of the story to be told. He's a good man. He cares about people. He would bring homeless people home to help them. And you would feel warm and comfortable knowing somebody like that is out there. And they said it's not fair that he was treated like this. And that this guy who viciously murdered him, and I'm not pointing fingers again, but the person who actually committed the crime is being held as a hero. And of course, the family's getting, you know, the pushback from the community. People are calling them, emailing them, writing letters, you know, just very, very Very bad things are being done because they believe this guy was guilty and deserved to die. Now, of course, as the investigation goes on, which is what the police department is supposed to do, and I, I'm thankful they did that, they couldn't find anything to back up what the dad was saying about the murder. And so... Without any evidence that he had, in fact, sold this young lady into slavery, you can't really pin anything on the victim. So it goes back to the person who actually committed the murder. And the young lady, you know, her, her little cover-up 
courses exposed. And once again, I don't blame children for their actions as much as I blame the parents. He knew committing murder was wrong. He knew that just blindly trusting his daughter had risks. So if all of this is in fact true, we we have to look at the impact of families on people who are locked up. If we block them from writing letters, making phone calls, visitation, whether it's a pandemic or whether it's some kind of punishment for breaking a, a, a rule or the law, we have to look at the impact to the family, to the system, to the incarcerated person. And we have to take that into consideration for reducing crime. In this particular case, family bond may well have contributed to a crime. And when we lock a person up and we charge them exorbitant fees for telephone calls and e-messaging and buying them products you know that they, like a tennis shoe so they can work out in the gym and then we come out and say this is ridiculous we're stuck with this it's like a monopoly and then everybody's like well they did the the crime so they have to deal with this what's that do to the children what kind of message are we sending to our young folks people in grade school and high school we're telling them that if a person's mother commits a crime for whatever reason goes to prison we should not have any care for the children if they get mocked and uh, beat up in school by their classmates maybe even by teachers should we <clears throat> just allow that because it doesn't matter that kind of stuff i don't know it just it doesn't sit right with me and if we give the people fair trials treat the people justly while they're locked up and during a video visit they tell their children what's really going on and what's being done to help them it will give their children a a nice feeling let's say you know mom's locked up but mom's getting good medical treatment and mom's being rewarded for following the rules and adhering to policy and that her time is being reduced and she'll be out soon. You ever see those videos where parents come back from a military deployment and see the excitement of the kids? If we bash the kids because their parents are overseas, 
that's it's, it goes back to the old saying, you know, if you call a person stupid enough, they're going to believe it. You know, you're a bad person because your parent is in prison. I don't think that's fair. And I do understand that a family bond is strong. It could help them uh, rehabilitate. It could cause them to commit a crime. We need to strengthen family bonds. We need to understand that each person is an individual and has different uh, obstacles in their way. And it takes some time to clear them. And if a person is in prison for five years, we could do it. We could help remove those obstacles or at least get to the point where they can overcome them on their own which is really what we want. Now, I'm not sure about this man and how he feels. Did he really feel bad when he found out that his daughter had lied to him if that, you know, is in fact what happened? Does she feel bad? Uh does he despise somebody somewhere? Does he feel sympathy for the family? I do know that when people go to prison, there's trauma. that's created because of the crime. I've talked to a lot of folks that say, "Yes, I feel really bad about the crime I committed." And I I feel exceptionally bad about the victim's family. And in some cases the victim. They want to reach out, apologize. What can you do? There's only so much a person can do after committing a crime. In some cases it does help. Other cases it just adds fuel to the fire. So we have to understand when a person's locked up there is trauma, automatic. We have to understand that the the people are reaching out to try to do something to uh make amends. I mean, uh compensate, I don't know. And that's where we need to open that line of communication. There's some things that can work in general. You know, if a person is uh, away on vacation, come back and their house is ransacked, then the uh, maybe the the people after they're caught, the people that actually did it, compensate them somehow, and that might make them feel happy. Maybe that could be put on the table. It's like this is what you can do. You can give financial compensation. You can work and pay them back. In this particular case with the young man who was uh, brutally murdered he was found in the uh, um accused fiance's car and the car had been towed and then some burglars went by rammed second through the car and found the body these are people committing a crime and they stumbled upon another crime which helped to lead to an arrest and a trial. So how many instances can you think of where a person commits a crime to help solve another crime? We all work together and we can take advantage of bad situations and we could misuse good situations. We need to open the line of communication. We need to understand that we're on this planet together. 
And even though it's not directly in your family, something could pop up. There's no guarantee that somebody won't get affected like this family did in this community. This can be dealt with in a positive way. Supportive relationships are very important. People can make or break. There's a lot of people that would be better off, like on equal monitoring or alternative sentencing. They can do more for our community. But the one thing that's important is when people get out, they need somebody to look to to help them. Hopefully, somebody who's been there. I know what you're going through right now, and it's not just words. They really do know what's going, what the person's going through. So let's let's see what we can do. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, I hope you'll tune in to my YouTube channel, the Joel Wilborn channel. Tune in to OxyWord. Watch some of those videos. Listen to some of those folks give advice to us, and see how much they want to help us, and then reach out to them. You'd be surprised at getting the other side of the story. It's not as bad as you may think it is. At least I hope you don't think it's that bad. Go out, have yourself a wonderful day, and make beautiful memories for tomorrow.